This message is from Living Rock Church, and we trust you'll be really equipped, envisioned, and encouraged as you listen today. I just wanted to encourage, just as um, we start, I just wanted to encourage those of you who stood up for prayer. Um, with the word that Stefan brought, which is a fantastic word. But I just wanted to encourage you that I believe that God has not just, he's not just going to remove those knees, but he's going to break those knees. Um, don't expect to have somebody standing behind you um, waiting to reapply that knee, but God has broken those knees. They're good for nothing anymore. Um, so I just wanted to encourage you with that. Um, I'm excited um, for, to be a new wineskin. I, mean, I am really excited by that. And I want to... Um, I know for myself, we hear a lot of things, um, and I know that sometimes, for, for me, I know that I don't always put them into practice as well as I should. They're things that um, I, I know that if I could embrace them, would change my life and the life of people around me. And I know for me, I'm, I, I want to be, and I, and I expect to be, and I'm believing God to make me a more obedient wineskin. That, that's what I really want to be in this in 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 being prepared for that. Um, the title for what I want to share with you this morning is um, called "Embrace the Grace." Um, it's it's a, a a phrase that God gave me while I was praying, and um, I believe at this time there is a a grace that God has provided um, that if we were to take hold of it, they would enable the words that God has spoken to us as a church um, come to pass. If I can be honest with you, um, when the words that came to us before Christmas, um, and I'm going to read them out in a minute for those of you who haven't heard them, but the ones um, about us uh, expanding and growing, the ones that Arna shared with us about him stirring the area, if I'm honest, when I heard those, I was like, that's great, that's really nice. Because for me, I've heard words like that before, and I've heard words about growth and expansion and Fantastic things that, to be honest, I haven't seen come to pass in the same way um, that I expected them to. But I had to check myself and say, you know what, God, I'm going to trust your word. I'm going to believe that you have spoken to us. I'm not going to be like the Israelites who followed a pillar of fire and cloud, but just became so familiar with it. God did this incredible thing, but they became so familiar with how God was speaking to them that they just did whatever they wanted and forgot. But, I, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to not forget the word that God has spoken to us. And I'm going to believe it and choose to believe it. And I want to encourage all of us this morning to have the same heart that Paul did when he said, Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal, the prize, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I want to press on for all that God has for us in the future, not dwell on what I may not have seen that I wanted to in the past. You know, the word of God is not fatalistic. Um, if we barricade ourselves in this building for the rest of the year, the word about expansion and growth and doubling, it won't come to pass because the word that God's spoken to us really involves our participation. Um, I want to start just by reading these words again. Um, firstly, there was a word from Kerry. Um, these came at the back end of last year, and there was a word from Kerry to David, um, which he felt, because it had implications for us, he wanted to share with us. Um, but then a word from Arna Skargan um, to the whole church, um, to us as a body. Um, 
So the, firstly, the word from, from Kerry to David. I'm bringing you into a new phase. I will give you seed to sow that will bring forth wild flowers. God will add people to you that will be seen as wild by others. It will change the whole church. You will no longer be one type of people, but, will add, but I will add many from the working classes and from the wealthy classes. And the whole thing will not be sectioned, but there will be one garden and there will be great symmetry and beauty. One beautiful garden. And you will have an anointing to know what is required for each part of the garden, the specific word that is needed for each group of people. And you will know what needs ministering in each part. And I will give you an ability to care for all types. Some people will question what is happening, but you will lead people into a new phase. And people will look and be surprised at the mixture, but it will be one. It will seem strange to some people, but it will be my doing. And you will uh, have all that is needed for the new phase. I will add ministries to you who will help you care for the types of people I'm giving you. And, I will ne- and, and, I, and you need to be planning for a building that is twice the size because the church will be twice as large. In the phase ahead, you will build what's in your heart and what is in your heart to do. And what I'm calling you into will require resources of great measure. More money than you have ever had, much more than you have now. Um, greater resources than ever before. But wealth will come from those I am adding to you. And then the word from Anna. I'm going to stir the area. There will be a lot of noise and situations where you wonder what is going on. The fear of God will come upon people. A fear of me. And they will start to look for what to do and where to go. I'm sharing this with you today to anoint your eyes so that you know what to do. You will know and recognize the fear of God is in them and you will share and tell them about me and you will bring healing and peace and salvation. I want you to prepare for a double anointing and you will see a tremendous growth and multiplication. Prepare for it, see it, act because I'm going to stir the area and people will come so be sensitive to my spirit. Let me anoint your eyes so that you can see what I see. It's already started. You will see Muslims coming into the church and finding Christ. God is stirring the whole area. I absolutely love grace. Grace is amazing. Um, It's a word that can sometimes be bandied around and and become just another piece of Christian jargon. But I don't know how long um, I'd been a Christian before I really understood what grace was but to be honest I think it was probably too long and I still don't really understand it in its fullness I'm not sure I ever could but grace is the unmerited and the undeserved favor or kindness of God it's God's attitude towards us because of his grace he sent his son Jesus to die for us and to show us mercy and because we're now covered with the blood of Jesus God's way of dealing with us will only ever be by his grace Because of his grace, he's given us talents and he's given us abilities um, so that we can display Christ in the earth and so that we can minister to one another. And now God has spoken these words to us and because of his grace, he will allow it to happen. Can uh, can we turn to 1 Corinthians 15 uh, verse 9 to 10? I've checked this, I know it's the right verse.
1 Corinthians 15, verses 9 to 10, say, For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I've persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is within me. I really love this scripture, and it always makes me laugh, to be honest, because I I can identify with it quite a lot in the sense of I think, oh, wow, Mike, you did a great job there. You really worked hard. And then straight away, I think, yeah, but it wasn't really me, was it? You know, for everything that I did, I couldn't have done it without you, Jesus. And and I love that, that that's what casting your crown down before God is. You know, you achieve something, God, God enables you to do something great, but you go, you know what, God, but I can't take this because it was never me in the first place. Um, it, the way I like to think about it, the, the way I find this easiest to understand is with stewarding my finances. I think, you know, I've saved, I've tithed, I've been generous, I've done all, all that's right to do in, in looking after my money. And, and that means that I'm blessed and that I have what I need, and that God provides for me. But you know what? It's only by his grace that I had anything to steward in the first place. It's only by his grace that because I tithed, he provided for me. You know, it's not a bargain when God tells us to tithe. It's not, if you tithe, then I'll do this for you. Come on, you know, can we figure something out? It's tithe, and then I'll, and then I'll bless you. And I go, all right then, yeah, fine. Because I want to make sure that the grace of God can flow freely to me, and that there's nothing in the way of that. Um, if you can flick uh, backwards a bit to 1 Corinthians 9, 19, we're going to see here how Paul is talking about how he's worked with the grace of God um, to see people saved. And the context here is he's defending his right to receive support from the church. It says, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not to myself being under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside of the law, I became as one outside of the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside of the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I might share with them in in its blessings. Do you not know that in in a race, all the runners run, but only one receives the prize, so so that you may obtain it? Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable one. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified." He was uncompromising on principles that mattered, but he was flexible on the practices that didn't matter. Paul here, he does everything he can to win people for Christ. He becomes a Jew to win Jews, a Gentile to win Gentiles. He never desecrates any of the laws of God. He never debases himself to sin. But I can imagine that there are certain things that he would have preferred to do that he chose not to, or certain things that he didn't really enjoy that he did. You know, I imagine um, Paul sat at quite a few meals where there was a beautiful piece of meat cooked, but it had been sacrificed to an idol. And he's sitting there going, I know that person does not exist that they think that's been sacrificed to. And I really, really want a piece of lamb. (laughs) But you know what? I know that there are people here that if I eat that, 
they're going to think that I worship him, and I'm not going to. You know, he just, he did whatever he could. His principal goal was just to see people saved. And you know, he disciplined himself so that his credibility would be intact when he was preaching the gospel. He never let his body rule him so that what he spoke um, could cost people, um, so that he would never be a hindrance for the gospel. Yet, he did all of that and he worked. He made those sacrifices. He did those things. But this is the same man who says, but it's not I, but the grace of God within me. It's the same guy who says, but it's by grace you've been saved, not through, uh, through faith, not through any works. Um, not, it's not anything you could attain yourself. Paul knew that there was absolutely nothing he could do to make someone get saved. But what he did know was that he could work with the grace of God in such a way that he could be the best vessel to communicate the grace of God to other people, to communicate the gospel, and to be a flow of heaven to earth. Paul says in the scripture from 1 Corinthians 15 um, that we just read, that the grace of God towards him was not in vain. And I think we have to be conscious of the fact that that means that the grace of God could have been in vain. So God could have provided this grace, this unmerited favor, this ability to do all things that he needed to do. And yet Paul could have not embraced that. Paul could have chosen something else. And we have to be aware that there is a provision for us to see what God has said come to pass. But we can overlook it. We can ignore it. We can choose not to work with the grace of God and let it be in vain. And I personally am of the conviction that if there are words as a church we have not seen come to pass, it's not because God was wrong. It's because we, there is a greater grace for us to embrace. There is something that maybe we haven't seen. I don't think it's conscious. I don't think anybody's here sitting here thinking, I can't be bothered. But it's like um, the word came to us today. You know, we have to see God much bigger than he is. We have to see him in a way that we've never seen him before so that we can truly embrace all that God has for us. So I asked God, okay, if there is this grace for us, what are the things that we can do to embrace that? What are the things that we can do to really take hold of the word that you've given to us so that we can stand together and say, God, your grace was not in vain towards us, but we worked harder than anybody. He gave me three titles from the word that Anna spoke to us as a church. The word says, I want you to prepare for a double anointing and you will see tremendous growth and multiplication. Prepare for it, see it, and act. Because I'm going to stir this area and people will come, so just be sensitive to my spirit. We have to prepare, we have to see, and we have to act. Time and time again, I've seen in the scriptures, in my life and in the lives of others, that God honors preparedness. He he blesses that which can contain blessing. He blesses those and uses those who will be obedient to him. It's why you see some preachers that have fallen from, from grace because they were just there willing to say, God, I'll do whatever you ask me to do. And they, they used so powerfully. And sometimes you can look and say, but God, why did you use somebody like that? And, and they've fallen. And then, you know, how did that happen? And God just looks at them and says, but they were willing. But they were willing. You know, they saw incredible things happen. And yes, maybe they fell from grace, but they were willing I don't want to be like I don't want to be like them in the sense that I don't want to fall. I want to make sure my character can support the gift that God gives to me. 
But equally, I don't want character without gifting. I want to see the whole earth full of his glory. And I can't do that without the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus himself prepared for what his father had for him to do. He prepared for his earthly ministry by growing in favor with God and with man. He was baptized to fulfill all righteousness. He was baptized in the Holy Spirit so he could do all that, all that he ministered on the earth. He fasted in the wilderness for 40 days. And then after all that, he still prepared himself daily for what God had in store for him. In Mark 1.35, we see that he rose early to pray. It, he, in, he was well-versed in the scriptures. Luke 4.16 says um, it, was his usual, um, it was his usual custom to be on, in, the, in the synagogue on the Sabbath. It was his usual custom to be amongst the people of God, to be learning the scriptures, to, to knowing what God had said. More than anything else, we have to prepare by learning to recognize the voice of God in such a distinct and clear way that we can react really quickly to it. I know, I know for me, there's been lots of times where I've kind of, you know, I've seen somebody maybe across the room um, in, a, in a coffee shop or something like that. I've looked at them and I felt God say something to me. And I think, God, is this you? I think this might be you. I'm pretty sure this is you. There was that time you spoke to me like this, and it was you. But then there was this time that I thought you'd spoken to me, and I got it wrong. I look up, and an hour has passed, and the person is long gone with their coffee. You know, I want to train myself so I recognize the voice of God so clearly that there's no doubt in my mind. I know it's God because I've spent time with him, preparing, listening to him. I've done that in my own time so that when he chooses to speak to me in a crowded room, where there's people talking and there's hustle and bustle and I'm in the middle of something anyway, that I, my ears are attentive, my head lifts and I go, hang on, I need to be about my father's business. If each of us can really develop a clear understanding of how God speaks to us individually, because it will be different, it's not a one size fits all, and then train ourselves to obey when we hear. When he speaks, um, that's when we'll really see God do incredible things. When we'll come and have stories of people being healed, testimonies of people being saved more and more and more in increasing measure. You know, those things happen because people were obedient to the Spirit. Those, I can tell you, the testimonies we heard this morning are because people were obedient to what the Holy Spirit said and then God moved. We can only learn um, the voice of God by putting ourselves in positions to hear him. We have to sometimes turn off the TV, turn off the computer. You know, yes, maybe that there are loads of things we could be doing for work. Or maybe we feel like there's things, there's time we need to rest. But sometimes it's listening to him that really is the most important thing. Learning to discipline ourselves, to, to hear what God is saying to us. To be reading and studying the scriptures, to be meditating on the word. To chewing over what God is saying and what the word of God says about us, what it says about the world, what it says about him. We, we need to be devoted to prayer. We, we have to be. Not just with a shopping list, but come into God to hear what he has to say about our day. What he, what he has for us to do. Not just saying, God, we need this. Because, you know, the scriptures tell us, he's already going to take care of our needs. You know, time and time again, I, I think, God, you know what, I totally forgot to pray for that. But you did it anyway. Like, you know, if, if we spent all day praying for the things we needed, I think God knows that we'd be there for quite a long time. So I just think he says, look, 
pray about some stuff you need. I'll take care of the rest, right? And then just get on with what I've called you to do. It, it really is amazing how much he looks after us. I've been reading um, a book recently um, that everybody who's spoken to me about what God's speaking to me about at the minute will have heard me talk about, which is The Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life by Donald S. Whitney. And I, uh, I genuinely have been really changed by the revelation of how much I need discipline in my life. Um, not for discipline's sake, but because I need to discipline myself unto godliness. Um, it's just not something, I, I don't know whether I've just missed it, but it's just not something that anybody's really spoken to me about before um, in such a direct way. The word godliness in 1 Timothy 4.7, where it says that, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. The word godliness in that passage means um, a devout piety that is characterized by a Godward attitude and that does what is well-pleasing to him. I must discipline myself for the purpose of doing that which is well-pleasing to him. I must discipline myself for the purpose of doing that which is well-pleasing to him. I, I, I want that to characterize my life. I want God to say of me, he is one who does what is well-pleasing to me. Not just says the right things or even prays the right things or reads the right things, but does the right things, does that which is well-pleasing to him. So for the past six weeks or so, since I've been reading this book, I have been disciplining myself, um, to making a new effort to do that and asking God desperately to help me um, because it doesn't necessarily come naturally to my flesh, but I know it comes naturally to my spirit. And to be honest, the six weeks have been, has been full of good progress, but full of epic failure as well. But I'm encouraged because I know that discipline um, is hard, but I know it'll amount to godliness. I know that it will bring about godliness in me. And it's not a burden because discipline, like any other habit that we want to form, takes time to learn. It takes time to do. But I know that the fruit of the Holy Spirit is self-discipline. When, when I, I was thinking about this this morning, for me, being a teenager, coming into the church, not having a church background, the whole idea of self-discipline was needed very desperately to just not do things. <laughs> not do things that I'd done before. But what I've realized and come to understand is that the, the fruit of the Spirit and self-discipline is so much more to enable us to do what Christ has asked us to do, not to stop us from doing all these horrible things. Because I have a new nature. I don't like doing those things anymore anyway, really. They're not, they're not it's, it's fake. But what truly blesses me, what truly excites my spirit is to do what the Spirit calls me to do. All I know is that I need to be prepared. I need to do, um, I need to learn what the, vo- what the Father's voice sounds like in the chaos of life. And to do that, I really believe that if we can discipline ourselves, we will learn to hear the voice of God differently and in a much clearer way. The other thing we practically need to do as a church to prepare for is, is to prepare to disciple people. Um, as soon as people are added to us, we need to be in a good position to lay a, a good foundation. We need to. Um, I, we can't rely on just the elders and the life group leaders to disciple people. We can't, we can't expect them to, you know, if we are going to expand and grow to such a substantial amount, 
we, we all need to be involved in that, especially because the people that will be coming through those doors are your friends and your family and my friends and my family. So actually, we're best placed to disciple them anyway. We know them best. We know what makes them tick. We know, we'll know what's excited them about Christ. We'll know what, what to feed, what they may struggle with. And yes, we may need to call on others to help, of course. But you are best placed to disciple people coming through those doors. I want to lay down a challenge to all of us to be able to teach rock solid. Um, we've, we've all gone through it. If we're a member of this church, we've all gone through rock solid. We've all had a foundation laid for us. And if we're all members, I'd like to uh, believe anyway that we're all agreement that what's, what's in there is the truth. Yeah, okay, good. Excellent. Good start. I want to encourage you, every single person in this room is capable of teaching rock solid. Uh, I got saved when I was about 16, and uh, when I was about 17, I took the first person that I'd ever took through rock solid, Um, and he was a younger member of the youth, and yeah, I tripped over my words. I had to look at stuff and go, I don't even understand that myself, and go back and look into it and stuff, but I taught it, and that person is still, that guy is still walking with God. He still has a strong foundation, because again, the grace of God is going to fill in the blanks that maybe you can't. So, with, with that in mind, that everyone in this room can teach rock solid, it may take some practice and some refreshing, but if everyone here could confidently teach what's in there, we would have no problem discipling the hundreds of people that will be coming through those doors. If you don't have a copy, you can get one from the office, sorry Leanne, um, and maybe meet up with some friends, maybe meet up with some people, strengthen your foundations together with a view to to um, teaching what's already alive in you. The second thing is we have to see things differently. We have to see things as God sees them. Um, Often, to be honest, this comes through the preparedness that I was talking about. God will change our view as as we prepare ourselves, give ourselves to the scriptures and to prayer and to these things. And But you know what? He can do it sovereignly as well. There have been countless times where I've just had to say, God, you know, I've read the scriptures about this. I've I've prayed, but you know what? I just, I need you to change me. I need you to change my view on this. Like this morning, God has already spoken to us about the fact that we need to see him differently. And and what did he say? I'm going to do that. I'm going to open your eyes. I'm going to help you. And yes, we have to choose. But equally, we can only see him if he chooses to reveal himself to us. Again, it's that, yes, I looked, but it's only by his grace he showed me in the first place. Romans 12, verse 2, um, I'm sure many of you know, says, Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. A result of having our mind renewed is that we will see things differently. We will see things the way that God sees them. And we will be able to test and approve what God's will is in what we see. So when we see the person on crutches in the queue for their McDonald's, it is God's will that we pray for them and that they're healed. It's God's will that they be healed. Because God does not tolerate sickness. He doesn't like it. He doesn't want it. Therefore, his will, because as our mind is renewed, we read the scriptures, we see that by Christ's stripes that we were healed, that as he says to us, go lay hands on the sick, see them recover. The scriptures tell me 
My mind is renewed and I see actually God wants that person healed. So yes, this thought going through my mind, should I go and pray for that person? You know what? That is the will of God. And it didn't take me an hour to figure it out. Praise God. I believe that the, well, I I believe that there's four things specifically that God wants us to see differently and from his perspective, but clearly there were five because God highlighted the other one today. Like I say, God has already highlighted um, that he wants us to see him differently. And that's where it has to start. We cannot see anything else differently until we have a correct view of God. His glory, his majesty, how awesome he is. And I do believe that God wants to give us a fresh sense and a fresh understanding of awe when we see him. That we, that we don't just see Jesus meek and mild, but we see the Jesus in, in Revelation, that John, who knew him better than, and I, than I think any person ever knew Jesus, even he fell on his face as though dead because he had seen Jesus in this awesome, magnificent way. And that's the way he is now. The second thing I believe that we need to see as God sees is ourselves. If we can see ourselves as Christ sees us, there really genuinely, I don't just want to say this, but there would be no stopping us. We are full with the fullness of God. We can heal the sick in the power of Jesus. We can be a bringer of peace and hope. We can bring wisdom and knowledge to a situation that literally will have someone's jaw hanging open because it's such genius. Because it's not us. It's the grace of God. We can be comfortable saying things like this about ourselves because it is the grace of God within us. It's not our own doing, but we can see more of it if we'll work with his grace. In fact, we, if we, um, we underestimate the grace of God if we can't say those things about us. We do his perfect work a disservice if we deny what the Bible says about us. If we deny what he says we can do, what we're empowered to do, then we do him a disservice because he has said such fantastic things about us. I really genuinely hope and pray that everyone in this room realizes how truly amazing you are because of who God's made you. And if you don't, just look in here. Just look in here. You cannot read the word and have low self-esteem. You know, for you guys at school, so much, so much, I come across youth, and I know some of you are over elsewhere, but predominantly they're here. Youth. You guys and your generation is characterized by low self-esteem. Having to post pictures on Facebook and Twitter, counting up how many likes they've got, because do people think that I'm pretty? Do people care about me? Does anybody love me? Point people towards this. Because the God who loves you has such amazing things to to tell you about yourself. Know what is in here for yourself. But then so that you can share it with a generation that is crying out for somebody to tell them that they're worth something. We have to view people differently. That's the third thing. We have to view people the way that God sees them. In and out of the church, we've had words come to us um, about having a fresh compassion for people and understanding the Father's heart for them as we need 
But we need God to open our eyes to see people as he sees them. No one is too far from salvation. No one is too difficult to proclaim the gospel to. And no one's heart is too hard that it cannot be melted by the gospel. We have everything we need to see people saved. And the fields are white for harvest. No one is too far from salvation. No one is too difficult to proclaim the gospel to. And no one's heart is too hard that it cannot be melted by the gospel that we have everything we need to see people saved. And the fields are white for harvest. That is the truth. My family is not too far from salvation. It doesn't matter what they think right now because the gospel can change them. The love of Jesus and the conviction of the Holy Spirit can come in in a moment. And if you've been praying for people for years, keep praying because it truly is a second for the Holy Spirit to change somebody's heart. And it doesn't matter who they are and it doesn't matter what they believe about God or themselves right now. He can change their heart in a moment and they can see their need for Christ. To see these words come to pass, we have already everything in this church, in this body of people, to see it come to pass. Of course, there are going to be people that when they get saved are going to become crucial to what's going on. But right now, for this to start, we have everything we need. We lack nothing because... Every single person in here is absolutely crucial. I cannot overstate this. Every person in here is absolutely crucial to seeing this word come about because it is not a one-man show. The days of crusades, and and I I don't want to say it's over, but for us, for us, it needs everyone. It needs everyone to see these words come to pass. The person sitting on your right or left, you absolutely need them. You absolutely need them. And they need you just as much. They really do. The people behind and in front of you, if you don't have anybody sitting next to you. The people in this room, they need you. And you need them. The other thing, um, the fourth, I don't know which number it is now because it's all been... (laughs) Number four, uh, uh, the other thing we need to see differently is our workplace. Um, This is often our primary mission field because it's where we spend most of our time, for better or worse. Whether it's, but for better from now, from going forward. (laughs) Whether it's in an office or a building site or the regular places where you go when you're looking after your children, because that is work. (laughs) We must see the primary purpose of going to work to see God's kingdom extended. It's not to pay the bills or to climb the ladder, but we need to be about our father's business. Even if at the minute, if you're doing a job that really has been, you've had to take it to pay the bills. It doesn't matter. Your primary mission there is to see God's kingdom extended. The final thing I believe we need to, uh, not the final thing, another thing that we need to see differently. Number five is our streets. Thank you, Chris. I love Alex and Caleb Gronoweg's example in this. They are known on their street as the crazy Christians, okay? Now, they haven't actually done anything that we would consider weird (laughs) um, to earn that title. But whatever they're called on their street, they've seen people saved. 
And they are constantly blessing their community. They are constantly blessing their neighbors. They're praying for them. They are a fantastic example of what it is to love your street. And, you know, I very rarely see my neighbors, if I'm absolutely honest. Um, I don't know why, but probably and definitely it's because I don't make enough of an effort. But Jesus absolutely loves Julie living next door to me. And I've never even met the people who live next door to me. They are mysterious. But (laughs) I've tried, I have tried. But God loves them. And I do, I really do want a fresh passion for the people that I live nearby. The final thing, this is actually the final thing, number six, that we, um, that we need to see differently and just see how, um, how God sees is, um, well, let me say this. The, the first word that God gave us, um, that, that I read out, was specifically for David. Um, not for us. It had implications for us, but it was for David. And there were things in there like, I will give you seed to sow that will bring forth wildflowers, and you will have an anointing to know what is required for each part of the garden, the specific word that is needed for each group of people, and you will know what needs ministering in each part, and I will give you the ability to care for all types of people. Some people will question what's happening, but, um, but you will lead people into a new phase. In the phase ahead, you will build what's in your heart. And I just want to say regarding that, I'm excited to see the grace of God come from David um, towards us. And, and I just want to encourage all of us to just embrace that because the grace of God coming through David is going to help us in this next phase. The final of the three, prepare, see, and act. Being prepared and seeing things the way God sees them are incredible. And they will be life-changing for us. But if we don't act, our world and us in a body will be completely unaffected. It's just, it's just a fact. And eventually, to be honest, um, being prepared and, and seeing things will stop. Because it leads to puff, puffing up. You know, if, if, if we don't have an outlet, James says that, that faith without works is dead. That if you want to show me your faith, um, I'll show you my faith by my works. We have to do something. We really do. So many times I have looked at my life and actually wondered whether my faith is really alive. If I can be really honest with you again. But I want so much. I know it is, just to clarify. (laughs) It is alive. But I want it to be alive even more. I want my faith being alive to be vibrant, to be being pushed and growing in doing the works of God. And doing the works that proceed from the faith that God's put in me. It is the most thrilling, the most exciting, and the most fulfilling part of my life. To do the works that God has called me to do. Whether they're laying hands on the sick, or whether they're getting on with my job. Whether they are looking after my family. They're the things that God has called me to do. And they are thrilling and exciting. They are. They are. And they are the most fulfilling part of my life. And I want those more. In the word that Arnas um, brought, God said he would stir the area and people will come. And that means we need to be ready to act as signposts so people need to know where to go. They will come, but where are they going to come to? If they don't know who we are, if they don't know what we believe, if they don't know about Jesus, 
then they're not going to know which direction to go. We need to make sure people know who we are so that they can believe. So, not so that we can make converts, but so that when God stirs them and convicts them, they know who to turn to. They know we're the people with the answers. They know that we're the people that when they're sick and the doctors can't do anything, we can. They may have said no to you a thousand times for you to pray for them. But you know what? They know that when they have no other option, they know where Jesus is. He's in you. He know, they know where their hope is. It's in you. In the word that Anna brought, he said that, he, that um, we would bring, we would bring healing, peace, and salvation. That means I need to warm up my hands and get laying them on people because nobody wants a cold hand laid on them. I need to practice the sharing of the gospel. I need to know how to present the gospel in a really clear and obvious way so that there's no confusion for people when they come to me and say, what do I need to do to be saved? I need to know the word of God so that in the chaos going on around me, I can know what God says about me in the situation and have enough peace to share it around with everyone else. I'm encouraged because I know that we are a company of people who are already doing this. I firmly believe that. That is not a sentence to make you feel good about yourselves or to to, uh, soften a blow, but it's true. I know we are already doing this. And the word of God that's been spoken to us is not to get us out of the starting blocks, but just to get us to run harder and faster than we ever have before because he has something fantastic for us to take hold of and embrace. He wants to accelerate us. These are the days to take risks, to do things that we've never done before, to proclaim the gospel to the person that you thought was too far or too rich or didn't need God. You know, we've been told that the wild and the wealthy are coming to us, you know? So the people that you look at and you go, I'm not even sure why they need God. They've got everything. They've got everything sorted. No, They need Jesus as much as we did. And it's time now to proclaim the gospel to them. This is our opportunity now, not to miss out, not to look back on what could have been, but to take God at his word, work with his grace, and do what he's calling us to do. I really want us to stand together when we have seen these words fulfilled and be able to stand together and say, Father, Your grace was not in vain towards us. We have done all that you have asked of us, and now you can trust us with more. Doubling is only the beginning. It's only the beginning. It really is. A thousand members, tip of the iceberg. We'll be welcoming in our thousandth, and thousandth and one, and thousandth and two, and thousandth and three members all at the same time. There is so much for us. There is a world for us to take for Jesus. And I hope that you're with me in saying, you know what? Whatever I've done before, however I've responded to the word of God before, this time, this time, whether I've done it before or whether this is the first time, this time, I'm going to work with the grace that's provided for me. I'm going to work with the grace that's provided for us. I'm going to prepare myself and I'm going to see things differently. I'm going to actually act and do something with what God's prepared me to do. I'm going to trust the people sitting to the left and to the right of me. 
I'm going to work with them. I'm going to think the best of them. I'm going to believe that they are filled with the fullness of Christ. And I'm going to believe that I am full with the fullness of Christ. I'm going to embrace what my leaders say to me because I know that, the gra- that they are the grace of God towards me. We together as a company of people can march forward and take the land. Can we just stand together and pray? We've already been prepared by the Lord this morning to be a new wineskin so that he can pour in new wine. And I know that we've already responded to that and I know that what we're going to do now and just just in prayer now is is similar. But I don't think we can, uh, I don't think it matters. Be good for us to reaffirm it. Lord, thank you. Thank you so much for your word to us. Lord, we won't be like the Israelites and and become contemptible to your word, forgetting about it and doing the same things over and over again. But Lord, we will take you at your word and believe you. And Lord, help us. Help us to embrace the grace that you have provided to see these things come to pass. God, fill us with boldness. Fill us with your spirit in a new way. Open up doors that have been closed to you before so that you can have as much control over us as we can possibly give you. Lord, we love you. We love you so much and our heart is that we see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you for what you've given us. Thank you for what you've provided for us. And though we will work harder than anyone, we will work harder than anyone, but we will know that it is the grace of God Thank you so much, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for listening today. For more information about Living Rock Church, And for more great teaching, visit www.livingrockchurch.org.uk.